0: Shame wants you to react to shame by doing whatever you can to not feel shame. Getting Discomfortable With Embodied Beliefs A few years ago, my brother texted me saying, you need to tell my son that there are no monsters living in the basement. I didn't know what he was talking about, but apparently, and this sounds like something I would probably do, at some point I told his son while we were hanging out in the basement of their cabin that there were monsters that lived down there. I don't remember this at all, but it's the kind of thing I would probably say as a joke. Like, all right, you know, let's go upstairs to dinner. We don't want to get eaten by all the monsters down here. You know, I don't don't remember what I said. But whatever I said, my nephew believed it. And he refused to go into the basement after that because I told him there were monsters. So the next time I saw him, I took him aside and I was like, look, I'm sorry I told you there were monsters in the basement. There aren't. I was just joking. And he said, (laughs) don't worry, AJ, that was before I knew about lying. First of all, what a burn. He just totally dissed me and called me a liar. And I was like, no, I swear it wasn't a lie. It was a joke, which is sort of like a lie that you say for humorous effect. But the second thing that blew my mind was this concept that he didn't know about lying. I mean, it makes sense. We're born into this world where there are all these adult people that already exist, and so naturally, we want to believe them. In fact, we don't realize that not believing them is even a thing. Not only did my nephew not realize that I was lying when I said there were monsters in the basement, but he didn't know that lying even existed. It reminds me of the saying, which I think is attributed to no one, you don't know what you don't know. And to me, this is very true of shame, very true of the way that we are conditioned in life, very true of the way we deal with the dogmatic beliefs about the world that we don't even realize aren't true. We don't even realize that they can be not true. When we're born and when we're growing up, we kind of accept on faith that the things we see and the things that we are told are true. And because we are a social animal who has shame, we have all of these instinctual reinforcements that tell us to join the group, to fit in, to believe them, to get along with them, to be like them, to connect with them, to get validated, to belong. And when we do that, we are rewarded with all these incredible feelings like love and belonging and joy. And when we don't do that, we are punished with all these terribly unpleasant feelings like shame and loneliness. So, it makes sense that we look up to the adults in our lives, and we trust them, and we believe them. In fact, even more than just believing them, we are being conditioned by them. Everything that they tell us is going directly into our brain as if it is God's truth. There's monsters that live in the basement? Okay, of course. That's just as real and true as when we tell a kid, don't be mean, don't punch, don't hurt other kids, don't do this, don't do that. They're being socialized. They're learning the cultural rules of our society, of our family, of our in-group, and they are internalizing that on such a deep level that they don't realize it's in any way negotiable. They don't realize that it isn't actually reality. And as we grow up, we start to get educated more and more. We start to learn the things that we don't know. So somebody tells us about lying, and we believe them that lying exists, and from then on, everything we're told, we wonder, is this a lie or isn't it? And it kind of depends on who is telling us, how much we trust them, and we start to learn the cues of when something just doesn't seem true, and when someone is behaving weird, etc., etc. So the next time I tell my nephew, oh, it's time to go to bed, we better go into our room before we're attacked by the night dinosaurs, he's going to be savvy, and he's going to say, wait a minute, there aren't night dinosaurs, I've never heard of that before, you're just trying to trick me into going to bed. However, there are some cultural conditionings that are kind of so universal amongst the people that we know, amongst the culture that we live in, amongst our country, our city, our school, our community, our family, that we don't realize that we don't actually know that they're not real, if that makes any sense. When I was growing up, there were these fundamental beliefs that I thought were true about reality, which were basically that people exist on a hierarchy of value. And my purpose in life is to try to prove or earn as much value as I can by engaging in public behaviors that make me look successful or talented or extremely good, either as a person or good at something. This could mean becoming famous as an actor, which I tried to do in my teenage years, or becoming famous as a filmmaker, which I tried to do in my 20s, or by being an especially beloved, just a really good person. I didn't know that those were actually just conditioned cultural beliefs from my childhood and from culture at large, and that they weren't really true. They were lies. Not only did I not know that they weren't really true, but on a very deep level, I hadn't completely realized that they even could be not true. I didn't realize that the messages that culture gave me could be lies. I mean, I knew that on some level, but... I didn't realize that fundamentally the kind of rules, as I saw them, of reality and of society were made up by people no smarter than me, to paraphrase Steve Jobs. That meant that everything that seemed sacred, every rule that seemed ironclad, every belief, every. each of my most fundamental values was just that, an opinion, a subjective opinion. And that isn't to say that I shouldn't have agreed with any of them. It was just that I didn't realize that they were opinions. And I didn't realize that some of them were actually totally not congruent with who I am or what I had experienced or, or how I could lead a happy life. The way shame works is kind of fascinating because shame is directly tied to the messages of good and bad, of connection and rejection that you receive in your childhood. So shame, which is an an emotion and an instinct, is kind of this shapeless sponge inside of us that is just waiting to be told what is right and what is wrong. And whatever we tell it, it doesn't matter. It's just going to believe that and reinforce it. So the messages of shame are arbitrary. All that shame really cares about is that it gives you whatever message the group or the culture in your childhood says you need to get to fit in. So for me as a child, there was a strong message in my culture that being gay was not okay. So shame, my shame, just absorbed that cultural message by seeing examples of it throughout my childhood. And then from then on, once it kind of crystallized in my late teens... Every time I saw something gay or thought about the fact that I might be gay, I got this horrible shame reaction, this unpleasant guttural feeling that said, nope, don't look at that, don't do that, don't even think about that, definitely do not be that, you will be rejected, rejection equals death. But if I was born in a different culture or a different time... I would have gotten completely different messages. For example, indigenous people in North America had a concept in their culture of a two-spirit person, which was sort of akin to being queer or being trans. And in that culture, that was seen as a very special thing. So it wasn't seen in the way that my culture saw it at all. It wasn't necessarily a source of shame. Likewise, if I had have been born say hundreds of years ago and I happened to be left-handed or I happened to have red hair, I might have felt shame about those things because my culture said that red hair and being left-handed were marks of the devil. So just because you feel shame about something, that is in no way indicative of that thing being bad in any way. Shame is arbitrary. All that it does is look out of your child eyes, waiting to see signs of rejection, waiting to see signs of scorn, judgment, and it picks up on those cues and it remembers them and it connects them to an unpleasant feeling in your stomach to cause you to avoid enacting them or even associating with them so that you are not in danger of being kicked out of the group. And for most people, I assume, certainly this was true for me for most of my life, I took those messages as not only true, but objective. I didn't realize that they were just opinions that had been codified into me through conditioning and shame. I didn't know what I didn't know. Not only did I think the shame about being gay was true, I didn't know that it could not be true. I didn't even know that was a possibility. I didn't even know that was a thing. Just like my nephew who didn't know about lying. He didn't know that it was even possible for humans to lie. So he just believed everything that adults told him. And I didn't know it was possible for my shame to lie. So I just believed everything it told me. That's why being gay, especially in my lifetime, was such a profound and powerful thing to be. Because I witnessed this cultural shift where gay went from being this horrible bad thing that you should never be, full of shame to being an okay thing that was fine and normal and natural. And I have to give credit to the gay men and women who came before me, who fought for those rights, who were able to see outside of their shame long before I ever could. Because they actually managed to change society and change culture. And that change, as well as my own struggle and self-acceptance, showed me, hey, shame lied to me. If shame told me unequivocally as a child that being gay is bad, then why is culture now telling me that it's okay? And as culture started to shift and say that being gay was okay, I felt less and less shame about it. And I started to realize, hey, my shame is full of shit. My shame is lying. And that was the moment I discovered what I didn't know, which is that shame isn't real. And all the cultural messages and conditioning that I took as so true that kind of formed the foundation of my values and my identity, that they weren't necessarily true either. They were just opinions, cultural opinions, that many people buy into because of the pressure of shame saying, hey, fit in. You're a social animal. You will survive better if you fit in. So do it. Believe it. Don't question it. So now, whenever I feel shame, I make an extraordinary effort to separate the feeling of shame, which is very real, an unpleasant feeling of shame in my gut, from the embodied belief that gives it so much power. It's not just this negative feeling that gives shame power, it's that it feels so true, and it's embodied message is that whatever is making you feel this unpleasant feeling in your stomach is deeply, objectively bad, wrong, flawed, sick, unholy, disgusting, worthless, unlovable. Those messages are conditioned into us. They're encoded right into our body. We're so deeply brainwashed with those messages that the physical feeling of shame is deeply connected to a thought in our head, which is really fascinating when you think about it. In nonviolent communication, one of the key principles of their whole system is to try to separate our thoughts and our feelings. So often people go around saying, I feel like you're mad at me, which is a conflation of feeling and thought. This idea that someone is mad at you is a thought. It's an interpretation. It's not a feeling at all. A feeling is something more like, I feel sad. I feel scared. You could say, I feel scared because I think you might be mad at me. That is a much more accurate statement because it splits thoughts and feelings into two separate categories. So when we look at shame, there is a feeling and a thought or a series of thoughts that are completely intertwined. I call that an embodied belief. So when we feel the feeling of shame, which is this deeply unpleasant sensation in our stomach, there is a thought that is immediately attached to it that says, bad, 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 Wrong, sick, ugly, unholy, wretched, worthless, unlovable. Those are all thoughts. But it seems like those thoughts are so closely linked with the feeling of shame that you're not allowed to separate them. That's sort of like not knowing what you don't know. I didn't know that those embodied beliefs could be separated from the actual feeling of shame. And when you do separate them, you realize that all shame really is, is a bad feeling. It's like getting punched in the stomach. And as unpleasant as getting punched in the stomach is, and it is unpleasant, shame is always unpleasant, it is actually more pleasant to get punched in the stomach than it is to get punched in the stomach and then think, I deserved that. And that's what shame is for so many people and was for me. A punch in the gut and then the message that I deserved that. So by separating the embodied belief from the actual embodied sensation of shame, I can start to see shame for what it is, which is just an unpleasant feeling that happens whenever I experience something that goes against the way I was conditioned to socialize. And when I feel that feeling, I'm now working on just feeling it and pushing away any embodied beliefs that come up. Ooh, I'm feeling shame in my stomach. And now I'm feeling a bunch of interpretations rising up, like I did a bad thing or I'm a bad person. And I am going to let those thoughts go because those are just thoughts. They're just opinions. They're not true. What is true is that I am feeling an uncomfortable feeling in my gut. That is true. And even if you can separate those opinions, those negative opinions away and let them go, you still have to deal with the fact that shame is a very real unpleasant feeling in your gut. I'm not convinced that you can ever necessarily completely get away from feeling shame. So when I feel it, one of the first things I do is heap a lot of self-compassion on myself. Ooh, I'm feeling shame and that feels awful, but of course I'm feeling it. Like, look at what just happened to me. I was rejected in a way that I know has been really powerfully conditioned into me. Looking back at my childhood, any time I was rejected in a similar way, it really felt like I was losing my friends or losing my family. So, no wonder now in this situation, I'm feeling shame. That makes perfect sense. That kind of talk is just heaping a lot of self-understanding and self-love onto yourself. Anytime you feel shame and say, oh, of course, that's a nice pathway towards self-compassion. Even when you're feeling shame about the stupidest, smallest, little, most probably misconstrued event, it is so important to still heap yourself with self-compassion. Don't try to escape it. Don't say, I shouldn't feel shame about this. Probably the worst reaction to shame from yourself or anyone else is to say, no, you shouldn't feel shame about that. That just makes it worse. That's actually adding a little bit of shame onto your shame. What you should be saying if you wanted to really add to your well-being and hasten your recovery is, of course, oh, this is such a small moment, but of course I'm going to feel shame about it. I always get triggered in this kind of situation. So it doesn't matter how small this little slight is, of course I'm gonna feel shame right now in this situation. And that's okay. Another way to deal with the sheer physical unpleasantness of shame is mindfulness and meditation. Mindfulness is just about feeling exactly what you are feeling without judging it or trying to push it away. And though shame is extremely unpleasant, the best thing that we can do is just take a moment and feel it and find our bearings inside of it. Because every time you try to fight it, just like I said in last week's episode, you're in danger of pushing yourself into your threat response, which is then going to completely change the physiology of your brain, and you're going to go down a whole nother path of fight, flight, please, and freeze that's going to take a long time to get away from and get back to your prefrontal cortex. In fact, that's what shame wants you to do. Shame wants you to react to shame by doing whatever you can to not feel shame. So the best thing we can do to not be controlled by shame is to just feel it, to mindfully just say, oh, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, to ask ourselves why you're feeling it, but not to judge it, not to fight it, to just feel it, accept it, and embrace it. Because by embracing shame and feeling it, by taking that pause to just feel it, that's how an emotion delivers its message and moves on. Every time we fight with an emotion and try not to feel it or numb it or escape it or avoid it or deny it, it actually amplifies that emotion. It extends the period that the emotion is knocking on our door saying, hello, hello, I have a message for you. But as soon as you receive the emotion and say, thank you for the message, the emotion's like, "Uh, okay, well, got to go. And and it's the same with shame. Shame doesn't want you to feel it. But if you actually just say, no, shame, I'm going to feel you. In fact, I'm going to hug you. I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to try to understand you from every angle. Then eventually, it's going to go away. If you just sit with it, if you really just feel it, you also have the opportunity to notice those embodied beliefs popping up, those messages that got intertwined with shame that say things like, you're worthless, you're ugly, you're bad, you're flawed, you're unlovable. And when you're just sitting in shame and you see those messages, you're in a much better position to be like, that's not true, that's just an opinion, that's just a judgment, none of this is objectively true. And the good news is that by sitting with that emotion mindfully, not judging it, not fighting it, like all emotions, it will pass. All emotions are temporary. And as it passes, it will take those negative embodied beliefs with it. And after it's gone, after you've just sat with it, you just, you wait it out. You're like, I got all the time in the day, shame. You want to play cards? You want to hang out? I'm here. I don't care. And after a while, shame's like, ah, forget it. I'm out of here. And when it passes, you are then able to react to the situation that caused that shame in the most healthy, self-aware, self-empowered position possible, with your prefrontal cortex completely still online. That is how you stay in your integrity. So remember, every time you try not to feel shame, you are doing what shame wants. That is how shame controls you, by saying, don't feel me. It's very similar to just pure physical pain. When you feel pain, your body just jumps away reflexively, in the same way that when we feel shame, our body often reflexively jumps right into our threat response. When you put your hand on a hot stove, your hand immediately says, ouch, do not do whatever it is that you just did. And shame says the exact same thing, ouch, do not do whatever it is that caused me to arrive. But it says even more than that. It's even more powerful than just physical pain because we can actually override physical pain. We can go to the dentist or the doctor. We can get a shot. We can go to the gym and we can say, you know what? I'm deciding that this pain is actually healthy. It's actually going to make me better. Because it doesn't have that embodied belief attached that says you're a bad person. But shame is so powerful because not only does it have this horrible, unpleasant feeling that we reflexively and instinctively want to run away from, but it has this powerful embodied belief completely intertwined with that horrible feeling that also says it's your fault, you're terrible, you're a bad, ugly, hideous, stupid person. So, I encourage everyone to try to separate the feeling of shame, as unpleasant as it is, from the messages that have been kind of culturally conditioned into their shame. You want to separate the porous sponge of shame from your past brainwashing dogmatic messages. And once you do that, once you're able to see that not only are those two separate things, but the beliefs attached to shame are not true, Once you know what you did not know, that those are just opinions, then not only can you demystify them, challenge them, and not believe them, but you can actually just feel shame. Just sit with it. And once you can embrace the feeling of shame and cut it off from the embodied beliefs and challenge those beliefs, then you are the one who controls shame instead of shame controlling you.